understand that this is not about Bill Sloan, right? It is about Bill Sloan's Savior, and that's uh, where the emphasis is intended to be. I'm going to do my best not to be too emotional. I got some of that out of the first service, but I can't really talk about Brother Bill much without getting somewhat emotional. Uh, So, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, this church started in his living room almost 50 years ago. And uh, Fletcher Barlow and uh, Brother Bill went to church together at uh, Burge, I believe it was. And then Fletcher went to pastor, I think it was in Michigan someplace. But they had had a conversation that, you know, maybe one day they'd like to start a church together. And uh, the Lord brought Fletcher back here. And Fletcher contacted Brother Bill and said, hey, you still open to the idea, and uh, that began uh, Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, and uh, so uh, I have never, I've pastored here, this is the only place I've ever been a pastor, and uh, quite honestly, I've never pastored a church without Brother Bill, this is his first, his first uh, church service in heaven, and uh, my first church service without Brother Bill uh, being here, so it's just going to be different, you know, but uh, God's good, uh, he, I he was, um, he, things were happening, and uh, so, you know, we were trying to get away and go on vacation last week. And by the way, I, I forgot to tell them this morning, but uh, the funeral, Miss Stella's uh, daughter uh, passed away the week before, and uh, we had the funeral last Saturday, and we had 10 people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior last Saturday. What a joy and blessing that it was. And so uh, God used, by the way, welcome to you online, and and uh, so, anyway, um, so we were trying to get away and, and leave on our vacation, just a little short time. We went left on Saturday evening and got back Wednesday night. And I said to Brother Bill on Friday, "Now listen, I'm going to be going on vacation," and you know, said to the family. And so then, when I came back on Wednesday, Brother Bill was still with us. Uh, Wednesday morning, they said that uh, they couldn't find a pulse and blood pressure, either one, which they never found again. But uh, the next day, Wednesday at noon, he was still with us. I went to, see, went to the house and s- to see him, and he was re- responsive physically. He could not speak, but he could blink his eyes and squeeze your hand and things like that. Uh, but I thanked him for waiting till I got back from vacation. And uh, Thursday night, then the Lord took him home. And uh, so, anyway, uh, we're rejoicing with that concept. Uh, so, um, this morning... Uh, there were uh, Vicky and Bobby King were here. Vicky, Bobby, Tim, and Nancy, and Brother Bill were the last five of the fifteen that were here when I became your pastor. There were fifteen people here, and uh, so the Lord's called all of them home. They were all here, stayed in this church until the Lord called them home. So now we're down to four, and uh, so, um, but uh, God's been good to us, been good to this pastor. So all of you, whether you realize or not, have been touched by the life of Bill Sloan. Because you wouldn't be sitting here. Now, you might be alive and kicking, but you wouldn't be sitting here in this place if God hadn't laid on the heart of Bill Sloan to start this church. And uh, so uh, it's been a a joy and a blessing to serve the Lord with him. So we're going to talk a lot about Bill, but I just want you to remember that really it's less about Bill and it's more about the Lord. Uh, That song that Brian sang, wow, um, that is Brother Bill all over. Let me tell you the old, old story. And he would... He would describe it much like that, of just kneeling at the feet of Jesus and asking his forgiveness of sins. And, and uh, he never got over it. It was in the late 50s. I don't know exactly when the date was uh, that he trusted Christ as Savior. But um, uh, 
I'll tell more of that story tomorrow. But uh, God touched his heart and changed his life, and he, he never got over it. Uh, we, we talked this morning about how Brother Bill would give testimonies. Uh, when we have church testimonies, he, was, he would always stand up to give a testimony. And usually throw in a little mini-sermon in there someplace, too. But he'd stand up to give a testimony. But he always started out his testimonies. First, I want to thank the Lord for saving me. That's how he always started out. And then uh, on, I would guess at least half of those testimonies, he would say something about your pastor. And usually when he said something about your pastor, I'm not making this up. He's maybe listening from heaven, but he would say something like this. Now, we don't always see eye to eye. <laughs> you guys remember that? That's what he'd say. We don't, you know, but he would go on to say how the Lord had, you know, pulled us together and we were able to get past our differences and work together and it was a, it was a joy uh, to know Brother Bill. Two themes that... Um, sorry. So two themes kind of come to mind when I think of Brother Bill. One is the Word of God. He absolutely loved the Word of God. Uh, he, he was not an educated man. Um, he... he Left home, I think when he was 14, and uh, left home in Kentucky and came up here to Indianapolis. Got married, quite honestly, shortly thereafter. I think it was like 16, 17 when he got married. Um, you know, uh, he, he didn't take the easy way to get to where he was in life, but uh, God blessed him and honored him. So uh, he, he just, um, quite honestly, but two themes. One was the Word of God. He loved it. loves the Bible. And the other is the one we're going to focus on today, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, he loved to tell people that the blood of Jesus Christ is what washes us away, washes our sin away. And uh, that was just a recurring theme in his life. So, uh, so I said this morning, you know, because I want to make sure that we understand we're not trying to put Bill up here. You know, you know, where Bill is is where we all are, sinners in need of a Savior. If I could describe Brother Bill to you, he was a dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy sinner in need of a savior. That was Billy Bill. But uh, 1950s, he came to know Christ as his savior. And God used him. And so uh, we're going to talk about what God wants to do for us. We had two this morning, by the way, in the morning service, that looked up at me and said that they trusted Christ as their savior this morning. So um, God uses the messages as we preach them. First Peter chapter 1. We'll start in verse 7 and uh, have a word of prayer in just a moment. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your, your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Father, we uh, come to you needy people asking for your strength, your comfort during these times, thanking you for your grace and your mercy which touches our lives and changes us. God, we pray that uh, as your word goes forth today, that it would accomplish your work. We ask that if there's anyone here that does not know Christ as Savior, that today they would recognize their great need for Christ. For those of us who know Christ, that we would be uh, emboldened to speak forth the truth of the gospel uh, through the example that we've been given through Brother Bill. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As uh, 
I was thinking this morning about Brother Bill. One of, the things, one of my greatest memories about Bill Sloan here at the church was when we first came into this building, the new, this new side. Now, by the way, he was so excited about this new side. It was just like, wow, all of his dreams were coming through in his mind. But uh, we first moved over here. Shortly after that, maybe within the first year, we had a friend Sunday. Do you remember how many remember that friend Sunday that we had? Brother Bill stood up and said, I want to ask you for, to pray. Now, this is months before the friend Sunday actually came. He said, I want to ask you to pray because his goal was to get 100 of his friends to church that Sunday morning. And I'm going to be honest, this pastor kind of laughed inwardly, like, yeah, right, that's everybody's goal for the bill. Who wouldn't want to get 100 of their friends? First of all, do I have 100 friends? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> and so, uh, and so he, he began to work. We got to that friend Sunday, and 101 people showed up for Bill Sloan. That's incredible. That, um, Not very many people could, could do that. You understand? So God took this old country boy who had no you know, um, education other than what he learned from just doing things, uh, and God used him. That's the, that's the God that we're talking about this morning. So we start there in verse 7. It said that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. God... God compares the trying of our faith, which makes us more like Jesus, the trying of our faith, which gets rid of things in our life and, and helps us to become more like Christ. God compares that trying of our faith to something that is more precious than gold. By the way, those of you who are here for the morning service, the phone call that I got, they left a message. It was a florist saying, when can we bring flowers? <laughs> so uh, I called them back. Um, but anyway, um, so last January... This is, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, because Bill was telling a lot of people, but uh, last January, Brother Bill reached a crisis in his spiritual walk, and um, he wanted to be closer to God than he was. And there were two things that he was asking God for. I'm going to share one of them with you today, and I'll share another one with you tomorrow at the funeral. But uh, one of those things he said was he, he was... He was tired, he was sick and tired of struggling with his flesh over things. And he said to the Lord, God, whatever it takes for you to uh, give me victory over sin in my life, whatever it takes, I want you to do it. Now, I, I share this because Bill himself shared with me on almost every occasion that I saw him after this, that he believes that his cancer was a direct result of an answer to that prayer. That God took the cancer to help him to deal with these issues in his life. And uh, he said, God, whatever it takes, I just want you to work. And after that, every time I would see him, he'd say, you know, Pastor, I don't know what God's trying to do with the cancer. And maybe he said, I know God. Even as, as early as three weeks ago, he said, I know that God can heal me and raise me up if he wants to. And I'm not, I haven't stopped asking him to do it. But I, I will tell you, Pastor, I've never been closer to God than I am today. Um, to reach a desperation point in our Christian walk where being close to God is more important than our health, more important than our schedule, 
more important than all of the things that go with this, our comfort. When, when we reach that place where we say, okay, God, whatever it takes, I just want to walk closer to you. I'm tired of losing this battle. God, give me victory and do it with whatever it takes. And um, we watched the trying of his faith. And um, as we would work ourselves through that, if you went to see Brother Bill or the times that he was able to, to make it to church, he never ceased to encourage us in the things of the Lord. He never ceased to witness to, to people. In fact, just about a month or two ago, a month and a half ago, uh, when he was really getting sick and he thought, he thought it might be the end, he called me up one Sunday morning. I think I shared it with you that Sunday morning and said, Pastor, I just wanted you to know that I had a chance to witness, and he named the person that he witnessed to that had come to, to visit him uh, because Bill was no longer getting out. But he was vis- witnessing the people who were coming to visit him, and uh, it was the trial of his faith. And uh, what, a, what a great God that was using that trial even then. Verse 9, verse 8 says, Whom, having not seen, ye love. Excuse me for just a second, my life. The Bible says, whom having not seen, you love. And I, and I wanted to focus on this. There's, in this passage, just so many things reminded me of Brother Bill as I was walking through it. Bill loved the Lord. I mean, honestly, if you were to categorize his life, it would be, I, he loved the Lord, he loved his family, and he loved this church. That would be it. You know? But he loved the Lord. And he hadn't seen the Lord yet, but he still loved the Lord. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He wasn't a whiner and a complainer. Uh, if those of you remember when Brother Bill had his heart surgery, um, now he had open heart surgery, they ripped him open, they, uh, you know, they go in, fix his heart, and then what do they say to do when you go home? Rest. And he did. I think he let four weeks go by, maybe been three, until... The hay came in, and it needed baling. And Brother Bill was out there baling hay. And we're all bawling him out and telling him, you know, what he shouldn't be doing. Of course, he's still healthier than the rest of us, right? Uh, as we're telling him, he's in his 80s. He just had open-heart surgery, and he's out there bailing. What are you doing? You know, well, I feel good, Pastor John. What do you want me to do? Uh, and so, okay, you know, that was Brother Bill. He wasn't, he never lost the joy of the Lord he never lost, the, even during this cancer time, he, never, he, he didn't complain that God had, had uh, asked him to carry this burden of cancer. He didn't complain that his body was withering away to nothing. Uh, the closest thing to a complaint that you would have heard from him was this. I don't want people to see me like this, so I don't want visitors. That was within the last couple of weeks of his life. I don't want people to see me like this. Because he'd just rail thin, just rail thin. And he's, it wasn't the bill that we know. You know, it wasn't him. And he didn't want people to see him. So he just, no visitors, just, you know, I know you're praying for me. I know you love me. Enough said. And uh, so that was Brother Bill. Verse 9, and I love this. Last Thursday night, 1130-ish, whenever it was that they called, uh, last Thursday night, um, God took Brother Bill home. And the verse says it this way, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You know, the day we accept Christ as our Savior, the Bible says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. 
until we see him. And then we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Right? Last Thursday night, Brother Bill was ushered into the presence of his Savior. And he received the end of his salvation. Last Thursday night, all of the living by faith became living by sight. He was no longer seeing through a glass darkly. It was face to face. And um, what a joy it is. The Bible says, um, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the dying of his saints. Because it is no longer by faith for that one. See, for God, it's never by faith. It's always by sight. God sees it. He knows, right? He understands the end from the beginning. That's not a problem for God. But you and I, we're living our lives by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're, we're trusting that God is going to bring us to a conclusion in this thing and that that conclusion is the end of our faith, even our, the salvation of our souls. Last Thursday night, Bill reached that conclusion. And uh, what a joy uh, that it is for him and, and it is for you and I. We're, we sorrow, but we don't sorrow like other people who have no hope. We have hope and we, we rejoice in that. Verse 10 of which the prophets have inquired and searched. I love this. And this is talking about this salvation. That salvation that is spoken of at the end of verse 9, even the salvation of your soul, of which the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, inquired and searched. They didn't understand this. As you read through the rest of this passage, it's like they, they couldn't grasp what grace was all about. In fact, as he goes on to, uh, to the end of that verse, verse 10, it says, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, the you being you and I, who are in the church age, this day of grace, in which we, we take almost grace for granted if we're not careful. We live so much by it that we're, you know, we're guilty of, of letting sin abound that grace may much more abound. God forbid that we do that, but we're kind of guilty of that. We, we almost take grace for granted. But the Old Testament prophets, they inquired about it. They searched diligently. This was something they could not grasp what God was going to do in our, in our lives. When we come to the end of verse 12, this section here, the last part of verse 12 says, which things the angels desire to look to. I mean, you know, the angels look at us in awe and wonder. How can God do something like this through his grace? It's something they, they struggle to grasp. And so we have the Old Testament the saints looking at us, and we have the angels looking at us, and the grace that is bestowed upon them, and that is the grace that touched the life of Bill Sloan back in the 1950s, and he never got past it. He never got over it. It never became old for him. The old, old story was something he loved to tell and to tell again and to retell. Uh, and if you know Bill, I said this morning, I said, I, I, you know, he could witness to a fence post, and he probably did. Uh, you know, that's just Brother Bill. He talked about the Lord to everybody. If, if Brother Bill had somebody around that he thought needed to be talked to, he would talk to them about the Lord. And then if I was there, then he'd say, Pastor, you tell them. And then I'd tell them about the Lord. He wanted to make sure they heard it every ch- and, and he'd just put you right on the spot. Hi, Pastor, this is my friend. He's a Mormon. Tell him about Jesus. I'm not kidding. It happened just like that. Okay, uh, my name's John, by the way. <laughs> you know, like, he just, just tell people about Jesus. That's what he wanted to do. He, he found it normal to have conversations about the Lord. Uh, one of the uh, young men was telling me uh, today, not called to preach, not 
not one of those young men, just a young man in the church that, that uh, loves the Lord and talks about the Lord and has some good Bible knowledge. And he said, Brother Bill used to come up to me all the time and say, why aren't you preaching? Why aren't you preaching? And I had said this morning that, that, um, you know, that Bill loved this church. And this young man said to me, but it's also true that Bill loved people who loved the Lord. Not only did Bill love the Lord, he loved others who loved the Lord. And it is true. Uh, that's just the way it was. He, um, he invested in people's lives, generations gap. I mean, he, he was the ultimate of the generation gap. Uh, I will share tomorrow a prayer by um, little Tucker Wood, who is what, seven? How old is Tucker? Six? Six-ish? A prayer for Brother Bill. Um, he wept when he heard that Brother Bill had passed. In fact, one day I stood up and when I stood up and announced that he had cancer, I'd forgotten about Tucker, and he didn't know. And he just, okay, never mind. I gotta stop. So uh, anyway, um, so the point is, Bill would talk to people in every age group and has impacted them. One of the things that Bill loves about this ministry is that we have a great outreach to young people. Um, he just thinks that's the greatest thing in the world. And he would say, and he would say it in testimony, so I know some of you have heard it. He said, I know all of us are important, but us old people lived our lives. And it's the young people that we need to really, really focusing on. Uh, you know, he is so proud of Pastor Andrew that he could burst you know, his buttons. He just absolutely loves what Pastor Andrew's doing with our teenagers. He's so proud of, of all those things. And God's, and he, just watching that was just something. The, this is what he does, because he never got over the grace that touched his life. I've got to keep moving, or I'm never going to get us out of here. Go down to verse 13. Wherefore, gird up your loin, the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And I think this passage right here, because of last January, and Brother Bill said, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm tired of fashioning my life after my former lusts, after the way I used to be. God, I want victory. I want to walk close to you. And whatever it takes, God, I am willing. I want to be holy more than I want to be wealthy, more than I want to be healthy, more than I want to be comfortable. I want to be holy. And he made that decision. And God honored it. Verse 17. And if you call on the Father... Who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. I think of Brother Bill again when I read this passage. You may not know this, but Bill would confide in me. He never felt worthy. He didn't feel worthy of God's grace. He didn't feel worthy of being used by God. Um, he, he was humbled at this when he would see the church filled with people. He was humbled that God could ever use him because, you know, he was just an old country boy. He didn't have 
you know, this formal education to build upon. And he would look at people over here and people over here and people. And he would say, God, I can understand how you can use those people. I can understand why they would be important to your kingdom. But God, I don't feel worthy. And this passage of scripture became a powerful one to Brother Bill. Who held on to this truth. That God is no respecter of persons. That God wasn't looking at Bill and saying, ah, I'm sorry, you don't, you don't cut it. I can't use you. No. That God was willing to overlook Bill's shortcomings, to touch Bill's life with his grace and use him anyway. And Bill never got over that. Verse 18, for as much then as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers, but, and here is the, the theme of the day, with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without spot and without blemish. There were two themes that I think of when I think of Brother Bill. One was the word of God. And the other one is the blood of Jesus Christ. His favorite song in the hymnal was nothing but the blood of Jesus. He, he, he understood and recognized, I'm sorry, Power in the Blood was his favorite song. Power in the Blood, but uh, he, he just recognized that there was nothing like the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible says about the blood of Jesus Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off are made nigh. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Far off from God, made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, I say, whether they be in earth or things in heaven, all things are reconciled unto God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us through the blood of Jesus Christ. How much more then shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the, the living God? Having therefore, brethren, Hebrews 10, boldness to enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. And then he would claim this last one, and he would give this in testimony often. 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And I can hear Brother Bill saying it even now. Someone would stand up and give a testimony, and they would be concerned that God could use them, that God would use them. And Brother Bill would follow it up with something like this. Hey, if it's under the blood, leave it there. Once it's under the blood, it's taken care of. He never got over the power that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Back in 1950s, late 50s, laying in a hospital bed, somebody gave Brother Bill a gospel tract. You probably know that somebody, Charlie Kittrell. Half of, half of Indianapolis knows Charlie Kittrell. And half of, the, half, of, half, of, half of the people that know Charlie Kittrell were baptized by him. He, he was a soul winner, Charlie Kittrell. And uh, he saw Brother Bill in the hospital. 
and uh, gave him a gospel tract. And God used that gospel tract to help him to come to an understanding of the gospel. Here's Bill in a hospital bed. I think he had been burned and uh, was struggling with burns. And Charlie Kittrell said, you ready to trust Jesus? And he said, yeah. And Charlie, you got to just know Charlie. Then get on your knees. So Bill slid himself out of that hospital bed to the hospital floor and trusted the blood of Jesus Christ to take away his sins. And he never got over it. So the question is, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are your sins washed away in the blood of Christ? Do you know you're on your way to heaven? Not because you're a good person or you belong to a church, you've been baptized, but because your sins have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the question of the day. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please, for a moment. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, you'd say, Pastor John, I know for a fact that my sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. I have placed my faith, my confidence in the blood of Christ as the payment for my sin. And if I die today, I'm going to heaven. As testimony to that, would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can... Praise the Lord with you. Amen. You may put your hands down. Almost everybody, but I couldn't see everybody for certain. Maybe it is. You say, Pastor John, the truth is, if I died today, I'm not certain I would go to heaven. I'm not certain I've ever placed my faith, my confidence, my trust in the blood of Jesus Christ as the payment for my sin. And I'm concerned about my soul, about where I would spend eternity. Pastor, would you pray for me? No one else is looking around. You, me, and the Lord. Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Is there anyone here like that this morning? Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Father, we thank you so much for the blood of your Son that takes away the sins of the world. We thank you for Brother Bill and his testimony, his vision to be used of you to start a church here on the southeast side of Indianapolis and the impact that that's had here. Father, for this one that's not certain today, I pray for them that today they would recognize how desperately you love them and desire to give them eternal life. And for the testimonies of salvation that we've seen and raised hands here, we thank you for them. Father, just... Continue to do a work here today, and we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed still, please. Right now, right where you're sitting, the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right now, right where you're sitting in the quietness of this moment, you can ask God to forgive you of your sins. You can place your faith, your confidence, your trust in the blood of Jesus Christ as the payment for your sin debt. And you can trust God to apply that debt to you or that payment to you and have your sins forgiven right now, right where you're sitting. Lord, please forgive me my sins and save me as best I know how. I'm trusting your son and his death as the payment for my sin. Would you do that right now, right where you're sitting? And please, with no one looking around, if you'd say, Pastor John, this morning sitting here, as best I know how. I've asked God to save me, and I'm putting my faith, my trust in his son 
and his son's death as the payment for my sin. No one else is looking around. Would you look up at me for just a moment and make eye contact with me? If you did that this morning, did you mean that? Amen. God's not a liar. He keeps his promise. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Did you mean that? Amen. Let's stand together, please. And we're going to sing, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And uh, as we sing that together, let's let the Lord move in our hearts. Power in the blood, I'm sorry. Whichever one that is. I keep saying it the other way around. Power in the blood. You got the right one, Pastor Andrew. Thank you. And let's sing this together. The altar's open to you. If you need to do business with the Lord, you step out let the Lord have his way. Would you? Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. appreciate uh, your kind attention this morning so much. There was one that looked up at me and said, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior today. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Three today, the Bible says when, when one sinner comes to Christ, the all of heaven stops and rejoices. And I have a feeling that Brother Bill's leading that charge today, you know? Um, what a joy it is. So uh, if we can be of any help to you uh, in your relationship to the to the Lord, we would be honored to do that. If you'd see us after the service, we've got some materials we'd love to put in your hands to help you grow in Christ and learn more about Him. Just a reminder, there is no evening service since we're having the uh, visitation for uh, Brother Bill today, uh, 3 to 8 uh, visitation time. And uh, I would just, you know, you just come and go as you need to today, kind of figure out when you might think there'd be strong times and fewer times. Because this is probably going to be a fairly good size one. Anybody can bring 100 friends to Friends Sunday is probably going to have a few people come today. Uh, so I will tell you that historically, um, that first hour is a big one. When people come to funerals, the first hour is a big one. Last hour is a big one. So I would avoid 3 o'clock and I would avoid 7 o'clock if I'm you. Okay, I'm going to be here all day, but if I'm you, that's what I would do. And I would find some of those other times in there to fill in. That's what I would do. Say, some of you might be saying, you know, Pastor, I didn't really know Brother Bill. And I'm just going to say to you, and so should I come? Yeah. And there's two reasons why you come, right? You come because you're trying to encourage the family. That's why. Let's be honest. You, know, you can do nothing for Brother Bill, and you don't need to do anything for Brother Bill. It's all done. Uh, but, uh, but whether you know it or not, he has touched your life. And so it's a great way to honor what God has done. So if you have a chance this afternoon to come, I would encourage you to do so. But again, I would avoid 3 o'clock and I would avoid 7 o'clock. That's just me. Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. The Lord watch between me and these who are absent one from another. I love you all. God bless you. Dismissed.